Hi, Melissa Dealey here. And before we dive into today's podcast, I just wanted to let you know my super exciting news. I have just relaunched my brand new website, yourguidedhealthjourney.com. I've been working on this over the last three months, and I'm really excited to have it up and running now. You will find everything here laid out, hopefully super easy for you to navigate. Under programs, I have my detox programs, my one-to-one coaching programs, group programs, and self-guided courses all listed, as well as my intake form. Under the about page, I have my story. I also have information on my lab test info, my discover your toxic load quiz, and FAQs. I, of course, have my homepage, my podcast page, media page, and testimonials that you're used to from my previous website. My blog is there, and I have a new page under resources called My Recommendations. And this is um, a page offering you a number of different products that are uh, toxin-free for anybody who is looking to lower their toxic load, looking for good quality products. They're all here under My Recommendations. So I hope my website is a useful resource to you, and I invite you to check it out. If you have any suggestions, or recommendations you want to share with me, please just send me an email at melissa at yourguidedhealthjourney.com. I would love to hear from you. And now enjoy the episode. Imagine getting up every day full of energy as if you were in your 20s again. What would that be like? What would that be worth to you? What is your health worth to you? Think about it. Your health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And yet too many of us are taking it for granted until something goes wrong. No one wakes up hoping to be diagnosed with a disease or chronic illness. And yet we've never been taught how to be proactive in our health through our school system or public health. As a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner, I believe it is time this information is made available to everyone. Combining new knowledge around your health and the ability to do my functional medicine lab tests in the comfort of your own home will allow you to optimize your health for today and all your tomorrows. Don't wait for your wake-up call. Welcome back to the Don't Wait for Your Wake-Up Call podcast. I am Melissa Dealey, your host, and super excited to share my guest with you today, Blair Kaplan-Venables. Welcome, Blair. Hello, Melissa. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to be here. We've known each other for a while. We've been on this growth journey together, and I love that we have the opportunity to be on each other's podcasts. Me too. It's been a fabulous journey of me being your client, you being my client, networking together, and as you said, on this fabulous fabulous growth journey. So to introduce you to the audience, Blair is an expert in social media marketing and the president of Blair Kaplan Communications, a BC-based PR agency. Yahoo listed Blair as a top 10 social media expert to watch in 2021. And as a pioneer in the industry, she brings more than a decade of experience to her clients. Blair has helped her customers grow their followers into the tens of thousands in just one month, win integrative marketing awards and more. So that's why I love to work with Blair because she knows her stuff. So I would love for you to introduce yourself in more depth and tell your story because today we're talking about self-care and that's the theme of the month. So how does social media 
fit with self-care and there's a journey that you've been on and let's talk through that. Oh, where do I start? Well, I feel like I was going to break into the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. (laughs) And this is the story all about how. So I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, I come from a loving family. My parents divorced when I was seven. I was one of the first kids with divorced parents. Um, It wasn't your typical, I guess, divorce. My father lives with addiction. Um, And I didn't really know that then. So growing up, you know, I had turmoil and anger and sadness. And I didn't understand why my dad was in and out of my life. I thought he didn't love me. I didn't know he was sick. And that was all going on in the background. In the, in the, in the, in the front, what you were seeing was this happy little girl who was actually depressed, someone who loved to write. The teachers even called my mom in to the school saying, Blair's writing some really sad poems. We think she's depressed. My mom said, nah, she can't be. I was. I loved writing, you know, I loved writing poems. I loved writing in my journals and my diaries. And, you know, looking back at all these diary entries, every diary had at least one page. It's like, will you, will I ever be a published writer? I want to write a book. Do you think my poems will ever get published? Anyways, fast forward. I just want to stop in there for one second though, because I love how as a child, you were using that writing as an outlet to release emotions right? A hundred percent. And you didn't know it at the time, but it was, you know, clearly very helpful to you in doing that because then you could exude that happy child on the outside while processing the emotions through the writing on the inside. You know, Melissa, I would light candles. I would listen to prodigy. I would shut the lights. I would sit at my desk and I would write like I'm talking, I've had a lot of loss over the past few years. And so going back to my hometown in Winnipeg, you know, getting piles of stuff from my grandparents or my mom's, you know, I used to, you know, when the computer came out, I used to type out poems and print them out on loose leaf and bind them together with shoelaces and give people books of my, my writing as presents. Wow. It, I love that. And it's and so I, interesting because writing is something I do not do. I, I mean, I can do it. I was taught to write, obviously at school, I can write really great reports, research documents, business letters, but writing for joy is not me. And so I love having conversations with people that are completely different to me. And I can just see in your face, I know the audience can't see that if they're listening, but I can just see in your face as you talk about this, how much joy writing brings to you because it's been a lifetime of self-care for you. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really important to know that not only at the time was I using this as an outlet, because I didn't have a therapist. I wasn't depressed, remember? Yeah. You know, um, but also I was manifesting. I was manifesting. So in the background, I had, a, I had some hard stuff going on at home. I didn't understand when my dad was in and out of my life. My heart was broken. Fast forward to um, when I went to university, I was going to be a psychologist. I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. I probably need one. And I ended up going into public relations, which is basically kind of like psychology. And um, I ended up, you know, graduating from university, studying public relations, moved with um, Lululemon across the country, across Canada. But um, Lululemon actually was the reason that I was able to go to Vancouver and do the landmark forum, which gave me the tools to allow me to forgive my dad. So in my 20s, my dad and I began this healing journey together. And it's beautiful. It's not the dad I always wanted. It's just the dad that I have. And I was able to accept him for who he is. 
And, you know, he walked me down the aisle at my wedding. I didn't think that was going to happen. He came to visit me multiple times, never thought that was going to happen. You know, things that I thought that I always wanted that I knew that I thought was like, I determined to myself, this is never going to happen. I got a second chance. And then at the end of 2018, we learned that my father was terminally ill. And at the time of recording this, um, he's still, uh, he's still with us. Um, and I felt robbed, like why me? And so, you know, we started telling our story about addiction, forgiveness, resilience. And what was happening was our story was empowering people. It was inspiring people to go to therapy, empowering people to share their story, empowering people to share my story with people in their life who maybe needed to hear it. And so I decided, you know what, dad, what if we have a legacy piece? What if we write a book? We gather stories of resilience. We bookend it with my story and your story. And we create a resource. We create a tool to help other people move through their challenges by sharing and reading these stories. And so, um, you know, Melissa, you shared your stories and we could talk about that in a second. But what's really cool is that you know, I've been working on this project for two and a half years. We, you know, we're putting on events before COVID, fundraising money for mental health and addiction services. Um, you know, we did an interview series online using our social media. And now we're just in the point of wrapping up our first book and it's going to come out in fall 2021. And what's really beautiful is that I didn't think my father would still be here. And he is. But what's been really hard is that I've had to be really, really resilient since starting this project. Yes, you have. And we're going to talk about that in a sec, but I just want to come back to that piece of forgiveness, right? And that landmark forum, which gave you the tools in order to be able to do that. Because in, in my training as well, there was a three-step um, process to this. And first of all was step one is figuring out what is it you truly want, right? Step two is forgiveness. And Forgiveness isn't necessarily forgiving someone else for their wrongdoing. It's just, and, and passing the blame, but it is forgiving so you can move on because until we forgive, we get stuck, right? And we carry around a bitterness that the other person may not even know that we have, but when we forgive, we can let that go and we can move forward. And then step three is gratitude. And I know you're a huge person for gratitude as well. And so those three steps in that phase of moving forward, when we have been stuck for whatever reason, are incredibly powerful. And the more resilient we are, the more we're able to do that. And it is a practice. It's very hard the first time, but as we practice it, it becomes easier. So let's talk about gratitude and then we're going to dive into resilience. And I just want to say that's really beautiful that you shared that. And I wish I remembered that exact moment in Landmark that it, you know, flipped the switch for me. And I didn't forgive my dad for having an addiction. I, I was just able to, you know, forgive him for the way things unfolded. I don't condone, you know, I don't condone his behavior, but I understand it's a mental illness. And I didn't know that then I, we don't, we didn't know in the nineties, what we know now. Right. And so understanding that he was sick and that he did love me was a huge part of that. So fast forward to the, as of late, probably in the last five or six years, I've built out a gratitude practice and gratitude is so important. 
I like to talk about strengthening your resilience muscle. And this is a key exercise to do that. And I watched a video from Sean Acor. And part of that video really inspired me because what he teaches is that if you practice gratitude every day and you list three things you're grateful for from the past 24 hours, you'll change the neural pathways in your brain to see the world in a more positive way. So I thought to myself, that seems easy. I'm going to set my phone alarm for 9 p.m. I labeled it gratitude alarm. And this has been happening for five years. At 9 p.m., my alarm goes off. If I was at a party, because that's a thing of the past, <laughs> everyone at the party would stop what they're doing and we'd all list what we're grateful for. If I'm at a family dinner, if I'm alone and traveling, I'll text my husband. My husband and I will do it together. We'll do it with my mother-in-law. We do it with whoever we're with, wherever we are at 9 p.m. Whether we're alone, sometimes I share it on social media. And I really contribute this daily practice, which I've hardly missed any days. Even if I'm alone, I'll journal it. I contribute it to a big part of my survival and my attitude and how I've gotten through some very difficult stuff. And I agree with you hundred percent because independent to you starting your gratitude journal, I started my own and I've done it in different ways. I sometimes will um, do my gratitude and write it down in a journal before bed. Sometimes I do it in the morning. And what I've been doing of late actually is as I fall asleep, I think what I'm grateful for, for that day. And I really love that because it allows my brain to go to sleep on happy thoughts instead of stressful thoughts or my to-do list for the following day. And that allows me to get into a deeper, more restorative sleep. And then I wake up and in the morning, I will journal my three things that I'm grateful for. And sometimes it's more than three things. And at the beginning, sometimes I had a hard time coming up with three things because I wasn't used to it yet. And then as I go through my days and things happen, now my brain is like, oh, you can write that in the journal. Oh, you can write that in the journal. And what I've done to your point about rewiring our brain is my brain is now looking for the good things as opposed to the danger, which is what it's hardwired to look for because it's charged with keeping us safe, but we don't have to be on alert for every single danger in the modern world. And what we can do is be on alert for all of the good things. And I agree with you 100%. It is incredibly powerful. And I was at a conference uh, about two years ago, because they too are a thing of the past. And somebody asked around the lunch table, what's one thing you've done in the last year that has really changed your business? And I thought about it for a minute. And I went, you know what? It's my gratitude journal. It has me feeling like I'm walking on air. And what I find now is if I get into bed and I, you know, I usually fall asleep very quickly. And if I'm struggling to fall asleep, I realize oh, I haven't done my gratitude thoughts yet. And I do my gratitude thoughts and boom, I fall asleep. I love that. And that's why I like to do it at nine o'clock because that's kind of bedtime wind down time for me. Because even if I'm having a really hard day, that's how I end my day. Thinking about the things I'm grateful for. And let me tell you, you know, I'm in the process of moving and we're just at the end of that journey. And it's been a very, very stressful few months. And that gratitude practice was really lovely to end each day with. Mm -hmm. Yes. And because you've been doing it for a while, you had built up your resilience to get through the stressful few months that you've been through. And it doesn't actually take long. Like if somebody were to start their gratitude journal today, easily by the end of 30 days, they're going to notice that they have a more positive outlook on life, that they're feeling better, feeling happier and building that resilience muscle. It's not like it takes a year 
to have the benefits. It's very quick. Right. You know, you don't even have to have a journal. Like if you're like listening to this, like, I don't journal. I don't want another notebook. Set a phone alarm to go off. Like I often, because I've been doing this, like I was with my girlfriends um, recently and at nine o'clock, three of our phones went off because they all set gratitude alarms. Friends of mine in Winnipeg, friends of mine in Pemberton. Sometimes they're, you know, they change it to the win alarm because I don't want to talk about gratitude, but it wins is similar. You know, you don't have to write it down. So don't be turned off. Like if maybe your own practice is the alarm going off and you saying it out loud or sharing it with your family or you shift it and maybe you do it around the dinner table or the breakfast table, but find a way to practice gratitude. And the other thing I want to add to that too is that I wish I knew this when I was younger and my kids were younger or when I was a child. So for those of you listening that have young children, I love the idea of doing it around the dinner table and teaching young children this practice and making it a habit in their lives as well, because it will uh, help build their resiliency and their resilient muscle. So let's talk about... Um, your last few months and how resiliency has helped you cope? Where do I begin? So just some backstory and some context. This is a bit of a trigger warning. Life's been very hard. Um, you know, November, so October, I found out I was pregnant. Um, we've been, my husband and I have been trying to get pregnant for years. I was told I couldn't get pregnant and I did. Um, but in November, on November 3rd, actually, uh, we learned that my father-in-law had cancer and uh, I was having an issue with my dad. And an hour later, I had a miscarriage. Three weeks later to that day, we lost my father and father-in-law. So he had a three-week battle with cancer. And he was like the dad I never had. He was the dad that I always imagined, like the Danny Tanner from Full House, you know, the you know, the wholesome father who wants to go on hikes and take photos of you and like plan, you know, kayaking trips. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty heartbroken. I'm very heartbroken actually. And then three months, almost to the exact day later, um, then Dave passing, my mother suddenly passed three week battle with cancer. So I lost two parents and a child in like a four month window you know, and I'm not that old, like I just turned 36. <laughs> but, you know, I've experienced some pretty hard stuff in a short period of time, probably a, a lot more than most people do in an entire lifetime. And it's hard. It's been very hard, but I get up each day and I know if I need to take things moment by moment or hour by hour or day by day, and I do my best and I show up and I practice self-care. And sometimes that self-care is not answering my phone or my emails and spending the day crying and journaling. And where we're at today, you know, I lost my mother in February. So it's been, you know, over six months, you know, while that all happened, we sold my mother's house in Winnipeg. Me and my mom and sister lived together. Like we grew up together because my dad and my mom are divorced. So we sold my childhood home, packed up our childhood home in Winnipeg. That was very hard. It was a full house full of memories, like every science project, every art project, every love note I ever wrote my mother, she kept. It was very emotional. Packing up our house in Pemberton because we decided to move to Kamloops to be closer to my husband's family. So it's been not only just loss of physical people, but loss of space, being uprooted. But while doing all of this, my business kept growing. I have a PR company. 
It's 13 years old. I've been in the social media and PR space for about 15 years. And I was having some of the biggest months, biggest days in my business. Like I had a multiple five-figure launch for one of my group coaching programs. I had a multiple five-figure month. That was amazing. And while navigating some really hard stuff, it was really nice to know that the pillars I built out, this, the empowerment pillars, the social media empowerment pillars were working for me so I can be present with my family. And I also you know, contribute a lot of that to my ability to manifest, my ability to strengthen my resilience muscle, my gratitude practice, and for how I show up in this world. And it's a testament to all of that, because as you say, you've been through a lot in a short amount of time more than many people go through in their entire life. And you still show up smiling. You show up ready to serve. You show up to give your best every time I see you. And it is such a testament to the fact that you have developed a very strict self-care practice for yourself that allows you to have this level of resiliency. Without self-care, our ability to be resilient is extremely limited. And, you know, people might be listening or they've heard the word self-care before. It might be like, yeah, 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 I don't have time. That's for somebody else. But it is such a critical part of our ability to be healthy and to thrive no matter what life throws at us. And the world is the most stressed out it's ever been. And people look around and see everybody else stressed out and normalize it and don't realize the importance of a self-care practice. And my favorite quote around self-care is that self-care is the most selfless act because it allows you to show up and give the world the best of you instead of what's left of you. And when I first learned about self-care and in all honesty, I only learned about this concept of self-care being selfless when I went back to school for health coaching. When I was in the corporate world, I didn't think of self-care as being selfless. I thought self-care had to come last. But when I learned that and I prioritized my self-care, that's when things shifted for me. And so I know you have a very uh, strong self-care practice that allows you to be so resilient. We've talked about gratitude, but what else do you do for your own self-care? What does that look like? Well, I cut out alcohol. Um, alcohol didn't do anything for me. It made me feel anxious. I have anxiety and depression. Um, so I decide to control what I can control. And if putting something in my body does not make me feel good, even if it makes me feel good in the moment and there's no, you know, positive repercussions. I cut it out. Um, most of the time I'm just getting back onto fueling my body with clean food. You know, while my mother, once my mother passed away and cleaning out the house, my sister and I were ordering a lot of cookie dough blizzards, extra cookie dough from Dairy Queen. <laughs> like I'm talking almost every day. Like I put on weight, I felt crappy. My skin was bad, low energy, but I was eating my feelings. And like, that's just what I had to do to get through. And, but, you know, I, I generally, if I'm eating clean and healthy and balanced, I feel really good. So I really watch what I put in my body. In fact, I made a pack to cut out milk duds. That's my kryptonite milk duds. And I was, and I was having them like a few times a week. And I 
my husband just bought me a box of milk duds and it was the first time since mid-July, which you. is really good. Yeah. Um, so anyways, back yeah, to I that. You, I believe you cut out alcohol back in January. That was your January, 2020 resolution. Yeah. Like, like, uh, a note 2019, it's almost been three years already. Wow. Time just has no essence in pandemic. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I also think, so fueling my body is important sleep. Like I will sacrifice work stuff and fun stuff, family stuff for sleep. If I am tired, I will have a nap. I will stop what I'm doing. I will leave the party. I will leave the dinner. I know that I need a good sleep. And if I don't have a good sleep, I will rearrange my schedule so I can nap. Sleep is so important. 100%. And that's not just true of you. That is actually a scientific fact that the more sleep we get, the more resilient we can be towards these stresses that life throws at us each and every day. And um, writing. I still write. I wrote a book. <laughs> I wrote a book to learn how to write a book for the I'm Resilient Project. I journal almost every day, sometimes twice a day. I write out my feelings on social media. I move my body. I move my body and I'm very careful about my AM ritual. I just bought a new alarm, one of those alarms that um, I, so I try to not have my phone in my bedroom unless like I have to get up at a weird hour and I'm worried I'm not going to wake up and I need to set a bunch of alarms. But I set this, um, this alarm is one of those light alarms. So it's progressively gets brighter. Yes. And I leave my phone um, away from my bed so I don't reach for it right when I wake up. And I'm very careful about my AM ritual. I get, you know, I let the, the light wake me. I feed my three cats because I have three cats and they're hungry and they start jumping on my head because they're like, oh, humans awake, feed me. <laughs> and then, you know, I journal, I journal, I document my dreams. I write about my feelings, what's going on. I, you know, turn some music on and do that. I move my body. Then I try and have a bath. I mean, I've kind of been a nomad while moving, right, but right if there's a bath available, I'll have a bath. And I take that time to light candles and have a really, a really beautiful morning ritual where I ease into my day. I don't just jump into work. I don't just jump into social media. I'm with myself first. And I love that. And that's so key to, again, keeping our stress levels down as we start our day and being really intentional around starting our day. Because so often, People have their phone as their alarm, which I definitely teach people to have their phone out of their room if they want to improve their sleep. But so many people reach for it. And the first thing they do is start looking at their emails or looking at social media. And whatever is happening in that, it causes them to then be reactive and to start their day off stressed. As opposed to having a ritual that allows you to start your day off intentionally set your goals for the day in some way, shape or form. They don't have to be big goals, but maybe it's the, the most important thing you need to get done. And if you get that done, then that's a big win, right? And easing into your day. Exactly. Don't get up and go, wake up earlier, go to bed earlier, wake up earlier, take the morning, do what you need to do. Enjoy that cup of tea. And like, it's okay to still look at your phone and read the news and do what you need to do, but don't just open your eyes and do it. Like, what are you doing for you? Um, and the other thing that I think is really important is that I have therapists. Yeah. I don't do it alone. I have over the years, I've had, uh, you know, psychologists and therapists and social workers, addiction counselors. Um, you know, when my mom passed a dear friend, my podcast co-host, we 
you know, Teresa Lambert and I, we have the Dissecting Success podcast. She gifted me um, a death doula grief counseling session. That was amazing. And it really helped me. I've done spiritual healings. I've worked with healing guides. You know, I'm on this never ending healing journey from childhood trauma and recent trauma. And it's a really cool journey to be on, but I'm not doing it alone. Just like in business, don't do it alone. Get a mentor, you know, with mental health, like get, maybe you see a therapist once a year, maybe it's once a week, but there are people out there to help you. Like we don't need to do this stuff alone. And there are people trained to help us navigate these hard times. These tools are applicable to life, applicable to business. I agree a hundred percent. And, you know, whether it's mental health or any kind of health, I actually also recommend having a team, right? We are social beings and when we work in a team, we can rise to our best self. So often we're talking ourselves down, we're listening to our brain, which is again, charged with keeping us safe and trying to keep us in its comfort zone where it knows that it can keep us safe, but it's talking us backwards instead of forwards. And when we're in that comfort zone, we're not growing, we're not healing. And when we have the support so that we can be stronger than what are the voices in our head. I like to teach people to actually be in control of their brain instead of letting their brain be in control of them. And we do that with the support of others. So I love all of that and such great tips and suggestions for others. So what is the name of your book so that people can look for that when it comes out? And is there anything else that you wanna share about that book? because I think it will be a wonderful resource for yes. everyone. So the website's IamResilient.info. Uh, you can find our social handles on our website. And we've been gathering stories from around the world for two and a half years. And I believe every story deserves to get told. Some of these stories, it's, you know, they've been told multiple times. Some of these stories, it's the very first time they've ever shared. Every story that's sent to us gets published on our social media and our website. And we've selected, well, most of the stories that were um, sent to us over the last few years, I think most of them made it into the first book. And so the name of the book is yet to be determined, but if you follow us, you'll see, but um, you know, it has to do with the I'm Resilient Project. It's going to be a beautiful hardcover coffee table style book. It's going to be meant as a place of inspiration where you can look at these stories, read these stories learn people's challenges, how they navigated it, see their advice. And it's coming out this fall. So, you know, it'll be available on Amazon and maybe at your local bookstore. I don't really know what's going to happen. That's why it's a project. Um, but yeah, I don't have an exact release date. And, you know, if you're like, well, what, what's Blair's first book? It's called Pulsing Through My Veins, Raw and Real Stories from an Entrepreneur. And you can buy that on Amazon or my website, blairkaplan.ca. But I, you know, I'm really excited because Melissa submitted two stories and we're going to be including both of them. Oh, I didn't know both were going to be in there. Yeah, we're going to be including both in and they're very special stories. Very, you know, Melissa's very resilient. I'm not sure what she shared with all of you listeners out there, but these are really powerful stories. So I'm excited to uh, help be that platform for, for people who've never shared before, who don't know how to share, who love sharing, who want to help people. It's a movement. You know, I look forward to continuing the project and seeing which forms and variations it, you know, takes. But that's, you know, that's us. And I love the idea of the book because it comes back to not doing things alone. And when we read other people's stories and we can see what they've navigated, 
we realize, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. Right. Mm. And so being able to access this kind of information all in one place and sourcing that inspiration and sourcing that hope is incredibly powerful. And I just love the fact that it's a legacy project for you and your dad and the fact that your dad is still with us and hopefully it's published and he will be able to have the book and read the book himself. I hope so. With you know what? You know, it's interesting, Melissa, because we've been preparing for him to die. Mm-hmm. Right. For we were told he had a year and a half to two years left. It's been two and a half years. Yeah. And so it's interesting because while preparing for him to go, you know, every time I see him in Winnipeg, I think it's my last time to see him. He is very resilient. Let me tell you, like he is oxygen dependent and on a scooter and, you know, <laughs> very active on social media. And it's just interesting because while preparing, preparing for him to die. I lost my grandfather. We lost the baby. We lost my father-in-law. We lost my mom. And, you know, he's been around for all of that. And he's, he's been the constant. And because I've been preparing for this great, huge loss, I've had the tools to navigate some of the worst pain I'll ever experience. Yeah. But so nice that his time with you has been extended. Exactly. I, everything, I don't like to say everything happens for a reason, but I don't believe there are coincidences and we all have our, our path. Yep. And I do believe everything happens for a reason. And, you know, he's here to see this legacy project come to life. And I also heard you say first book. So <laughs> I believe you're planning a second book, right? Well, I'm going to rewrite. Well, I have a couple projects I'm working on. I'd like to write a children's book about resilience. And this is the first podcast I've ever said that on. So you're hearing it first here. And I don't, it just depends on what happens in my life about when I work on it. Um, I'm going to be working on another book about my healing journey when it's time. I'm always going to be healing, but I'll know when the time is right to start pulling the pieces together. But with the I Am Resilient project, if, you know, the book comes out and we start to get tons of stories and they're flooding in, how could I not keep publishing books? And I didn't charge. I mean, I don't know how the business model is going to be. This isn't the business. Like I'm losing money on it because it's a passion project. Maybe I switch it into a business model, but we, you know, right now we didn't charge anyone to be in the book. It's not about that. It's about creating a tool in the future. I don't know how it's going to unfold, but you know, if we start to get a lot of stories and there's a need for this, then I'm going to keep creating. Cause that's what I do. I'm a creator. I love that. So if there are people listening and you have an amazing story of resilience, submit it to Blair and she will post it on social media and potentially have it in a book so that you too can inspire someone else. So it's at the, I am resilient project.info. Is that correct? I am resilient.info. Not the word project. I am resilient.info. We'll put that in the show notes. So as we wrap up here, I love to finish up with just two questions. So the first one is, what does don't wait for your wake-up call mean to you? I didn't know I was strengthening my resilience muscle when I started my gratitude practice. I just thought, hey, I would like to be happier and and navigate the world better. Um, And so I started that practice before I I I knew I needed to be resilient. So don't wait wait for your wake-up call to have to be resilient. Don't wait till you hit a rock bottom. What can you control now that's going to prepare you for when life gets hard? 
I love that. And we know life does get hard. It's ups and downs and we have different levels of stresses thrown at us every day. So yes, stepping into practicing and strengthening our resilience muscle will absolutely help people navigate that from a far better place. So great, great advice. And uh, what message would you like to leave with the listeners to have them start their self-care journey today? Don't wait. You know, my mother was 62 years old when she passed away on top of all of her doctor's appointments, no wrinkles, belly button ring, healthy, worked out, and all of a sudden cancer, boom, gone. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I think what's really important is live your life. If you have goals, work towards them. If you want to do something, do it because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I love that. Live life fully every day. Amen. So how can people get hold of you if they would like to reach out? BlairKaplan.ca, best place to get a hold of me. It's my website. You can learn about the I'm Resilient Project. You can learn about everything I'm doing in the social media space, my group coaching and private coaching, all my social media handles and all the cool stuff I'm up to is on my website. So BlairKaplan.ca. I love that. That too will be in the show notes. So thank you so, so much for joining me here today. I have loved this conversation with you. I could talk to you for hours. You are such a vibrant person that has so much depth, so much wisdom. And I'm so grateful that you came on this show to share with my audience. So thank you very much. And to all the listeners of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast, thanks for joining us and see you next time. Thank you. Before I let you go today, I just want to let you know about my next health kickstart and detox program starting on Tuesday, October 5th, running for the four Tuesdays through October at 2 p.m. Pacific for 90 minutes. All sessions are recorded and we're going to dive into doing a functional medicine detox in a guided supported manner, as well as learning the right way to eat for your body. It's not about doing the latest crazy diet to lose weight. It's learning how your body wants to eat. It's also learning about optimizing digestion because it's not just about what we eat. It's about what we absorb. And we're going to dive into sugar because it's in everything. Where is it sneaking into your diet and causing you problems? So sign up before September 28th, get 20% off. This is truly the single best starting point on your healing journey. You might've made new year's resolutions back in January. We're now into the final quarter of the year. It's time to start prioritizing you and your health. And this program will help you do it. When we have toxins bogging down our system, which is very common today with 100,000 man-made chemicals having been introduced into our world since World War II, it causes inflammation in the body. It causes hormone imbalance. It causes a sluggish digestive system. It causes weight gain. It causes poor sleep. It causes an immune system to not function at its best. So when we get those toxins out, we can undo all of that. You can check out the link in the show notes. And I've also dropped a link to my toxic load quiz. So you can discover your toxic load score today and see that some of the symptoms that you might be writing off as aging or genetics or seasonal allergies are not. They're actually signs of a toxic load and your body is asking you to do something about it. And here's your opportunity. So check it out in the show notes and I look forward to having you join me in the program. Thank you for investing this time with me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. 
If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy or would like to hear more of. It will support me in my effort to bring the possibility of natural healing to a wider audience and help disrupt the sick care system we have today and make human health a global priority. Health is your true wealth.